Thanks, Wendy. What a great song that is. Jesus Christ, our, our living hope. He's alive and he's with us this morning by spirit and he's coming back for his church. Uh, today's subject is taken from 1 Corinthians 12, one body, many parts. So here's a question to start with. What is the church? Good question. Uh, any thoughts out there what the church is? Anyone want to chip in with any observations? Body of believers. Good answer, Steve. <laughs> Basically my sermon, actually. Church is often thought of as a building, isn't it? A building people attend on Sundays before leaving to get on with their lives. Uh, in this version of church, most of us just have a walk-on part, don't we? We turn up at the designated holy hour, whenever that is. We stand up, we sit down when everyone else does, job done. Well, that's not the, the Bible's definition of church. It's a body of believers. Peter, in his first letter, does refer to the church as a building doesn't he? But it is a building which is pulsing with life. It's a spiritual house. Each of us a living stone, carefully chosen by the Lord and fitted together as the people of God. In this blueprint for the church, God has work for each one of us to do in his great big building project, the gloriously diverse kingdom of heaven. It's an inspiring vision of the church, and we at St. Mungo's are part of that project. In today's passage, which we'll hear in a minute, Paul uses the body as a, a metaphor for the church to help us understand this very same thing. We belong to Christ and we belong to each other. We're one body. We are not independent, autonomous beings. Once we turn to faith, that all changes. We are interdependent and everything we do affects the church, the body of Christ, in one way or another. And that's what today's uh, Bible passage describes to us. Siobhan's going to come and read that uh, to us now. It's full of vivid imagery, so I suggest you maybe just listen uh, to that and uh, let's use our ears and our hearts to listen to God's Word now. Thanks, Siobhan. So it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Thank you, Siobhan. Just uh, put the first slide up, please. Thank you. We're going to, uh, that last verse that uh, Siobhan read to us, we're going to um, use that as a kind of a launch pad for the rest of, uh, for understanding the rest of the passage. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So what is uh, this thing called the body of Christ? Well, I was thinking about um, uh, this subject, obviously, during the week, and uh, on my uh, bookshelf, I've got uh, this book about the body. It's by Bill Bryson, and it's called The Body, A Guide for Occupants, which I think is a great title uh, for a book. It's a fascinating and funny uh, book, full of amazing facts about the body. We really are uh, amazingly put together. Uh, and it's full of Bill Bryson's infectious humor as well. I don't know if you're a fan of him, but I am. But sadly, his, his conclusion is that, that we're really nothing more than the, the sum of our parts. Uh, and any miracle is just by sheer chance that we've somehow, you know, the, the components, the many amazing components of our, our bodies have been brought together by pure chance. Uh, as, and his last chapter, uh, it's all a bit, uh, a wee bit depressing, to be honest. His, his last chapter's called The End, uh, and it's subtitled Eat Sensibly, Exercise Regularly, Die Anyway, <laughs> which is also quite uh, funny uh, and, I suppose, morbidly true. But, of course... Um, 
that's not the whole truth. Uh, and uh, if we think of Jesus, the head of the body of Christ, uh, he died certainly, but he also rose again three days. Uh, and, and one day I hope to do the same thing as I'm sure uh, you do. Bill's version of, of life has a truth, but it is not the whole truth. Uh, and that's what I would say is the problem with atheism uh, and humanism. If you take God out of the picture, we are very much the end of ourselves, aren't we? We've got nowhere else to turn. The Bible, on the other hand, takes a, a much higher view of the human body. The miraculously, miraculous intricacy of our bodies is not some unlikely fluke of nature. David, the psalmist, puts it like this in, in many people's favorite Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It's God who breathes life into the raw material we are built from, the dust of the earth. And when it comes to the body of Christ, the same applies as the Holy Spirit who breathes life into the church, the body of Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who has uh, already written a guide for occupants, uh, and it's called the Bible. And in here, we discover that the first characteristic the Holy Spirit wants to breathe into life in the church is unity. Siobhan read to us, for we were all baptized by one Spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. One, one, one. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've been talking about that in our liturgy. We've been using that to remind ourselves that we are one in God. One God, three persons. We don't lose our identity in Christ. Uh, we find it. We are still uh, these wonderfully, uniquely different human beings. But when God gathers us into his church, we become one. And this is one of the great witnesses of the church. People from all backgrounds, nationalities, outlooks, get baptized and come together as one group of people. Not just locally, like us here in Livingston and Balerno, but nationally, internationally, and universally down through the centuries, we are the church, the body of Christ. This is what is expressed in one of the church's ancient statements of faith the Apostles' Creed, which is going to come up. It's there already. Thank you, Steve. Uh, and shall we say these words together? I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. There's a beautiful progression here in this excerpt from the Apostles' Creed. So as we believe and trust in the Holy Spirit, we become part of one body, the church. Catholic here just uh, means universal, the church down through the ages. And then we're enabled by the Holy Spirit to be in communion one another, with one another. We don't believe in the church. We don't believe in the saints. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that does this for us. As a Swiss theologian, Karl Barth, puts it, we are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church, wherever we find ourselves. None of it is our doing. This unity is not something humanity can produce on its own. History has proved that, hasn't it? Time and time again. Especially in church, when we resist the work of the Holy Spirit, we end up competing with each other and behaving independently and selfishly. And this is what Paul was talking about with his caricature of giant body parts uh, that Siobhan read to us. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. The context for this letter, the church in Corinth was a place full of competition. They were competing over who had the most important gift and who should have the highest position. But Paul says, stop that. Don't do that. And his passage here teaches us that we have to keep our egos in check. The church is not a place for giant egos. We have to place our selfish behavior at the cross uh, and give the Holy Spirit free reign in our collective lives. And when we do that, the Spirit fills us with the sacrificial love of God for each other. And somehow uh, our very differences, which maybe used to annoy us, become our strength. We can be at home in Livingston here one week with God's people uh, and then be at home with God's people on the other side of the world the next. The geography doesn't matter. The language barrier doesn't matter because we're all baptized by one spirit, whatever our nationality, ethnicity, social status, you name it, we are all filled with the same spirit. I've asked Gavin uh, and Heather uh, just to share a little bit uh, this morning. Of course, they have been on the other side of the world in Ecuador uh, and Quito. Uh, and so maybe you could both just uh, tell us a little bit of what that was like being part of the church over there. Yeah, thank you. 
Yeah, so um, we've been serving over in, in Ecuador for a year and a half, and um, we found, we visited a few different churches while we were there when we arrived, and we, we eventually settled on what for us was our, our home church over there. Um, but we are aware as well, our experience as missionaries in our generation was, was very different from um, missionaries of years gone by. Yeah, in terms of being the body of Christ, we felt very, very connected to some mongos here. Um, although we were maybe the, the fingertip on the little finger at the end of the arm on the other end of the world, we were very connected to our heart church, which was St. Mungo's. Through the miracle of Zoom, through uh, WhatsApp groups, we were very much part of our house group. Wendy and Catherine kept in touch with us from the staff team. Um, I know some of you were praying for us uh, through the prayer cell, so thank you for that. And um, those of you who, again, uh, kept in touch through Facebook, it was absolutely wonderful. We felt very much part of this church, although we were worshipping with another church on the other side of the world. Yeah, and as Glenn mentioned, you're on the other side of the world, you're in a different language, but you're still the, the people of God, and, and we felt very at home. For, for me, Personally, one of the things that made it easy was not long after we arrived at that church in Ecuador, it turned out they had a budget. They wanted to buy a bass guitar, but they didn't have a bass guitar player. Um, so I got to join the worship band. And actually, we sing, obviously, many of the classic hymns, but a, a lot of our contemporary songs um, we were singing as well, but in Spanish. It maybe doesn't flow quite as well in some cases, but the bass part was the same. Um, <laughs> But conversely, one of the, for me, one of the tragic parts of our experience, it really broke my heart to see that the evangelical church um, in a country like Ecuador, uh, or the, the Reformed Church, um, is much younger than here. We've got a, a great historical tradition. Uh, and what we found was you had lots of small, independent evangelical churches, but very little cooperation in general between them and no we have a great history of ecumenism of churches trying to find ways in common that they can work together and really that that didn't exist and um, absolutely heartbreaking to see and it, and it affects everything that the the effectiveness of everything that the church is trying to do wonderful Heather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just a quick plug for next, next Sunday evening, um, we're going to be able to share some of our stories and, and ask you to pray with us as well for, for the work that we were doing in Ecuador. So if any of you can come along to next Sunday evening service, we'd love it. Thank you. Shall we uh, pray for uh, Gavin and Helen? Just reach out a hand of prayer towards them. And Lord, we thank you that we are a one body in Christ. Um, we pray for the church in Quito. Uh, we do pray for unity and the ability for churches to work together. However hard that might be, Lord, you've called us to do that, and we pray you'll help us to be faithful to that, not just in Ecuador, but here too, uh, in Livingston and, and Belerno. Help us to work with your church. Thank you for house group and the way that that connects us together week by week wherever we are in the world or wherever we are in our workplace thank you for that and thank you for worship and how that brings unity 
to the church as well in every language. Lord, we praise your name this morning and ask your blessing uh, on Gavin and Heather today in Christ's name. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause, shall we? That's great. Yeah, um, church unity uh, in terms of the church working together is such an important thing. Uh, and it's always more difficult or harder uh, to work with other churches, but it's nearly always better. It's nearly always better to do our best uh, to, to work together. Uh, when I was a pastor at New Life a Baptist Church in North Allerton, uh, we, we had a, a system where we, we joined together as churches, um, which was a good thing throughout the calendar, church calendar year for special services. Uh, but nobody came. Uh, and uh, so uh, we, the ministers together just, uh, we started to meet uh, regularly for lunch and pray together. Uh, and that just changed the atmosphere between us and our churches. Uh, and we decided to pick three mission projects that um, we would commit to work on together. We would just wouldn't do our own thing. If it was those three things, we were doing it together uh, regardless. Uh, and that, that transformed uh, how the church was viewed by the public uh, in the town. And so we focused on welcoming Syrian refugees to our town. Uh, we focused on, there's a lot of new housing, so we focused on welcoming the people into our town and promoting all the church uh, services. And we set up a separate charity, uh, a mental health support cafe in the town, which is, which is still doing amazing things. It's always worth the extra effort to work together. Second characteristic of the church, which the Holy Spirit brings to, uh, together in church, is, is diversity. And uh, if we could just put the third slide up, please, which is um, the same verse which we started with. Now, you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We all have a part to play. Whether we are gathered together or scattered wherever, we each have a part to play in the church, the body of Christ. Uh, our rector, Ollie, um, if you're speaking, he produces sermon notes for you, and they're, they're fantastic. He gives a great outline uh, of uh, the, the subject and, and what he expects you to cover. Uh, and uh, what he put uh, on mine, uh, I found really uh, helpful and uh, insightful, in it, and it's simply this, there are no superstars in the church uh, but we all have a part to play with the gifts God has given us. And, and that is so true. Paul puts it like this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. In my last church, a lot of the day-to-day -day running of the church building 
and its various ministries was carried out by people who had retired early and were looking for something to do. And uh, some of them would come to see me, and uh, it's quite a high-risk thing to say to your minister, I've retired, I'm bored, can I have some to do, please? Uh, and so they got some to do. And these people uh, had all sorts of great talents, uh, but to their great credit, they didn't really mind what they were given to do. Uh, so I think of this guy, David. Uh, he was a retired GP, a lovely man. He led one of the house groups, and he was a fantastic encourager. Anytime I met him on the high street, he, he would stop me and just uh, encourage me. Uh, and that was great, because sometimes you don't feel like you're doing a good job, whatever our jobs are, and just have someone say, oh, well, well done, you're doing great, keep it up. <laughs> Makes such a difference. Uh, but David uh, came into the church building first thing in the morning and cleaned the toilets. Uh, he didn't have to do that. No one knew he did it, apart from me and his fellow cleaners who had the same heart. They didn't want any recognition. They just wanted the place of worship where the church gathered to look great. They were doing it for Jesus, and that was enough for them. It reminds me of a verse, and uh, it's a lovely verse in Colossians 3, uh, where, where Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. I think this is a word for some people this morning. Maybe the work you're doing is difficult or unappreciated or simply unpleasant or even mundane. This verse tells you that the Lord sees you. The Lord sees what you're doing. He sees your heart, and He wants you to know that He loves your work ethic and your humility, and He will reward you and lift you up at just the right time. Mark Green, in his excellent book, Thank God It's Monday, talked about a friend of his, an accountant, who did the daily commute into uh, London. And he had a habit of when he was getting into conversation uh, with people and they asked him what he did, this is what he would say, I'm a Christian thinly disguised as an accountant. Which I think's great. <laughs> I love that. Wherever we find ourselves on a Monday, we are still a church whether we're immersed in the world of business or immersed in the church toilets, we are still the church, the body of Christ, playing our part, serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who got on his knees to wash the disciples' feet. It's easy to forget we are the church on a Monday morning. I don't usually remember that. It's probably the last thing in our mind. One simple way uh, I've used in the past to help uh, the church remember this is a thing called TTT time. Has anyone heard of that? 
It stands for this time tomorrow. What are you going to be doing this uh, time tomorrow? Tomorrow, And I've asked my house group leader, Rich, to come uh, and uh, be our guinea pig this morning. So let's give Rich a round of applause. Just going to ask Rich a few questions about what he's going to be doing this time uh, tomorrow, Rich. So, uh, well, tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm Catherine's other half. That's how you'll better know me. I'm the co-leader of the house group. She's, she's the main driver behind most things, as those of you who know her will know. Um, so I'm Richard Burnett. I'm a doctor. I'm a consultant in intensive care and anaesthetics here at uh, St. John's, which I've been doing for almost 25 years now, not as a consultant, but in, in total. What are your joys in, in that job? So of the, Glenn gave me the questions for this and this bit. Oh, in the job. Oh, you didn't tell me you were going to ask me that. <laughs> so my, my joys are, it's actually, it's, it's really easy to be caring in, in what I do. And I find that both a good thing and a bad thing, which I'll come on to. So the good thing is, that you have this incredible interaction and trust with patients, which I, I still to this day love. The downside to it is that you can often justify to yourself, and I have done this a lot, not only in the leading of a house group uh, or the co-leading of a house group, but in roles I've played or not played at church, it can sometimes give you the excuse not to get involved because you've been feeling you've been in a self, slightly self-righteous way, caring all week and come the weekend and the evenings, I just want to turn off. So I'll be honest about that, that sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. The other joys I wanted to tell you about, the ones that I thought you were talking about. <laughs> I love being outside. I absolutely love the outdoors. So the ocean, the mountains, they are definitely my happy place. Do you um, meet with God there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will not deny that I have sat here looking up at the sky thinking it's lovely out there and my mind has drifted and I've thought I would love to be outside. It is definitely the place where I commune most with God. And again, that is a great thing, but it's also, uh, it can sometimes be the thing that you worship is being outside and, and doing your own thing. And sometimes I probably do a bit too much of it. What are your challenges? So my challenges, I had to write these down. The list was enormous. I would have used up the entire memory of my phone. Um, but I think, I think trust is probably one of them. I think I tend to be quite um, um, a person who sort of relies, uh, stands on his own two feet. I have a job that re requires you to be quite decisive. Um, I mean, as part of a team. And I think that's then led to issues with um, sort of commitment getting really stuck into things and doing them over the long term. And that, as a result, as this sermon series has been very good for me because I think it's been a lot about transformation and I think that holding back on commitment prevents that transformation, it prevents the Holy Spirit coming and making big differences. And I think I have been uh, probably like a bit like that at times in my Christian life. And that, I think, so perseverance, that sort of commitment to keeping things going regularly and not just sort of dipping into them for a short time and then looking for the, for the next thing. I think that's probably been the story of my life, really. Uh, and, and some of that, because I know we're going to get on to challenges, uh, would be 
it probably comes down to selfishness. So I pray a lot about that, just trying to be transformed from probably a slight inherent selfishness to be someone who'll be useful wherever. Thanks, thanks for your honesty, uh, Rich. How can we pray for you? Uh, how much time have you got? <laughs> One minute. Uh, so it, it would probably be trust. Uh, trust uh, in God and the Spirit to lead to a transformation where I could become more useful outside of work. I'm very extrovert and happy in my workplace. I think I'd like to see more of that flow into the areas outside of work. Okay. Let's pray for uh, Rich and again let's just reach out and a prayer to him. Um, Father, thank you for Rich and uh, I thank you for his, his humility and thank you for the important job he does I thank you that he does it with care and with a pastoral heart. I thank you, thank you that he cares about the individuals uh, and shares your love with them. Pray you'll just give more opportunities for that and, and really use that Holy Spirit to touch people's lives. Uh, thank you for the, the joy he finds in creation uh, and just being in the world you've made, Lord. And I pray for all of us that you'll give us a fresh appreciation of the wonderfully diverse world you've created. Thank you for health and strength and for uh, Rich's love of the outdoors. And I pray you'll bless him and help him with the challenges he faces and, and we face. Lord, uh, our tendency towards uh, selfishness, I pray you'll help us with that uh, and help us to lean into Jesus. I pray you'll wash us clean, Lord Jesus, by the power of your cross. Uh, and I pray, uh, as, as Rich has said, that you just use what we've been hearing over these last weeks, Holy Spirit, uh, and apply it and transform our lives so that we might be the body of Christ wherever you send us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks. Can I do the reading next time? You can. <laughs> You're up next. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I want to finish with a story. Uh, just about. Uh, about how seemingly small positive actions can transform negative situations. It's found in a great book, again by Mark Green. Um, sounds like I'm his PA, but I'm not, but he's a great guy. Uh, it's called The Best Idea in the World. And it's, it's based on the great commandment, love God, love your neighbor. It's all about uh, the relationships we find ourselves in. Uh, this bit uh, is called getting relational thinking to work or the power of chocolate. So not so long ago, in a company not particularly far, far away, a young scientist called Anita pondered the utter absence of relationships in her workplace. Every day, the team would come in, suit up in white, and scurry like moles into the single-person labs that the purity of their research required. Occasionally, one would scuttle out, take a domestic beaker, and mix boiling H2O with a naturally occurring brown organic compound rich in caffeine and antioxidant flavonoids. Coffee. Then they would scamper uh, silently back to their lab to imbibe the solution alone. 
No one talked to each other. No one shared ideas about the research they were all doing. No one really had much fun. So the young scientist decided to do an experiment and announced that the following Friday, she would make coffee for everyone at 10.30 and she would bring chocolate biscuits. And so it was that on Friday at 10.30, all the scientists scampered out of their single unit labs, lured by chocolate, like mice by cheese, into Anita's benevolent, benevolent conversational trap. Over coffee and biscuits, they talked about life, about the news, about the research, about the coming weekend. And week by week, calorie by calorie, the team became more of a team. When Anita left the company, no one made coffee on Friday mornings and no one brought in chocolate biscuits. Six months later, the situation was so dire that the company hired a management consultancy to do team building exercises. It cost a fortune and all they needed was a packet of chocolate biscuits and someone willing to make a pot of coffee. We can all do that. Uh, it just uh, takes a bit of initiative. Which brings us back to where we started in that verse. Now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Everywhere we go, we have to play our part as the body of Christ, just like Anita did, making coffee, bringing chocolate biscuits to work, helping people to see where their gifts merge with other people's gifts and how they can be used to, by God to bless the people around them. I just want to uh, pray and, and invite the band to come forward now uh, as we just get ready for worship and there'll be an opportunity to uh, have some prayer ministry this morning so they'll be on either side of the concourse here. Uh, so let's just take a, a moment to pray. As we come to worship now, Lord, will you give us your heart for the church, Lord Jesus? Forgive us when uh, we complain too much about the church. Uh, Lord, you know we're, we're far from perfect. We're equal parts of mystery and mess. Uh, but you love the church, Lord Jesus, and so should we. Uh, and, and I pray for us here in St. Mungo's uh, Livingston and Balerno today that you'll just fill our hearts with a love for your body, uh, Lord Jesus, and help us to play our part in it. Uh, maybe the, this morning you're worried about this time tomorrow or you just want some prayer for what you're going to be doing next week, uh, whatever's on your heart. Why not go to the prayer ministry team uh, and they'll just pray with you uh, for that. Or maybe something that Gavin and Heather said about uh, church uh, and, and what that was like for them and maybe you've been struggling with church. Why not go for prayer uh, about that? And ask the Lord Jesus to give you his heart uh, for the church. So if the prayer team could be there, let's take some time to worship God now. Thanks. Thanks.